0: Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. This month is Diabetes Awareness Month, and to do our part for awareness, we've put together a great show for you. Newfoundland and Labrador faces a critical health challenge with 36% of the population, or nearly 193,000 people, living with diabetes or pre-diabetes. This is among the highest rates in the country. Over the next decade, our region will have to brace for an 18% increase in diabetes prevalence. So today we're going to talk with the team from Diabetes for a Day, a local grassroots initiative that provides awareness around diabetes and its risk factors, and also educates participants on healthy lifestyle choices that can protect them against type 2 diabetes. We'll be interviewing Kevin Peters, the founder of Diabetes for a Day, as well as June Tavener, the founder of Catalyst Health, who's a nurse and will shed light on diabetes and its testing methods. We'll also hear from board members, Natalie Hand, who'll discuss the role that health programming plays in organizations and Mark Collett, who's not only a business leader in our community, but he's also experienced tremendous personal health improvements from participating in the program. We have a jam packed episode, so let's get to our conversation with Kevin Peters, founder of Diabetes for a Day.
1: Hi Kevin, welcome back to the show. Hey Mike, thanks for having me. It's great to jump back on again and connect. Well, that's right. Well, it's November, which is Diabetes Awareness
0: Month. And of course, you've been on this show before talking about your initiative, Diabetes for a Day. But I think it's something that's just so important for us to keep on revisiting as a community. It's one of the most prevalent medical conditions in our province. Can you tell me a bit about what Diabetes for a Day is and what prompted you to start it?
1: Yeah, sure. Let me start what prompted me to start it. My daughter was diagnosed at the age of seven with type 1 diabetes. and, And clearly, I didn't know much about diabetes at the time. And it's a very quick learning curve. And as I went on this journey with her to understand how to best manage the disease, uh, I started to learn a lot about managing my own health. And within that, I also started to learn about the health status of our province. And it's not good. In fact, Newfoundland and Labrador is the unhealthiest province in the country. And we lead in uh, many areas in obesity, uh, certain types of cancer, type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, child obesity. So when you started looking at that, saying there's something here above and beyond, and related to diabetes specifically, 35% of the population in Newfoundland and Labrador is diabetic or pre-diabetic, and that is growing at an exponential rate on an annual basis. So really, my daughter inspired me to take my own health more seriously, and through that journey with her, and my awareness about the challenges within our own healthcare system. That's what created the idea of diabetes for a day and and spreading that word and that vision.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of stats that I hear all the time. And these are things I talk about when I'm giving lectures at the universities, things about diabetes and glucose control and all these different challenges we're facing as a population. What you've decided to do though is to take that education and ingrain it into different workplaces around our province and actually expanding past our borders
1: right now. Tell me about the Diabetes per Day Foundation and what you guys do. Sure. So a, a big pillar, I guess, of our foundation is really based on education. And I think when I talk to many people in the community about healthcare in general, number one, but more specifically related to diabetes, there really is a lack of awareness on what causes it. And probably more importantly, things that can help prevent it. And behind the bad news of a significant portion of our population having it, the good news is it is treatable and it is preventable. So, Diabetes for Day is really focused on the corporate community, business leaders, and community leaders who have the ability to influence, to coach, and hopefully inspire people within their own organizations to start to learn a little bit more about their own personal health things that they can do to improve their health and it's really based on primarily three fundamental things drink more water go for a walk every day and get a better understanding of the food that you're putting into your body and really it's no more complicated than that mike um you know sometimes i think the healthcare system is overcomplicated but unnecessarily so and in an effort to treat all the symptoms sometimes we overlook the fact that some simple little adjustments in our day-to-day routines can actually create great synergies throughout the province to prevent these disease from happening in the first place.
0: Oh, I love that. And I think that that's one of the best ways to get through to people. Obviously, I came from a world of corporate wellness, so understanding that people spend a a lot of their time at work, and this is time that they have opportunities to be healthy or be unhealthy, depending on their environment. And for businesses to get on board with that, I think that's fantastic. I do appreciate you coordinating different people we can chat with today about it. Uh, When you think about some of the biggest takeaways you've seen from the different people that participate, what are some of the biggest aha moments people get?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's a great question, and I I think everybody has probably a different aha moment. But you know the focus on water, for example, you know eighty percent of our population is chronically dehydrated, and people don't realize how impactful that is uh, on their day to day routine, on their productivity, on their well being. And we provide water bottles for everybody who is taking part in the campaign. One point two liters is in that water bottle. Encourage them to drink anywhere from one to three of those bottles a day and the general feedback I've gotten emails from people is like wow that's a lot of water I've started drinking more water and within a week they're like I actually feel a difference in my energy levels in my clarity in my focus so water is a big one we do step challenges and encourage people to get out and walk and once people get out and walk we organize group walks after the walk they're like wow that was really enjoyable it didn't even seem like exercise, I'm like, no, it's not, but it's so simple little things that we take for granted that I think just creating that awareness and explaining in simple terms the benefits to, to your overall health is where the light bulbs are going off, that it doesn't have to be this complex, complicated exercise regime, strict diet. To make improvements, it's just these little changes, basic fundamentals that will have a massive impact. And you know, if I could sum it up, that's really what it what it is. And that and that makes sense, and I think that the way you're taking the
0: approach is really interesting. Because when you think diabetes for a day, you think it's dealing with diabetic patients, but it's not. The tools that you're implementing with people, the changes you're promoting in lifestyle, these are done whether somebody has diabetes or not. But what you're doing is you're implementing some of the Recommendations somebody would have if they have a diabetic condition to a regular person. Why is that beneficial for an average person if some of the advice would be things that
1: you'd give to a diabetic? Because it's just good advice. And, you know, my daughter's health and her quality of her life is dependent on her doing these things. And if she doesn't, uh, you know, her quality of life can drastically diminish. But the reality is that applies to all of us. And so our wake-up call, I guess, and our, our aha moment was, we have to make some drastic changes now because we have no choice. And those drastic changes have resulted in positive improvements to our overall health. So you think about that and go, well, it's not only diabetics who need and must drink more water, get more exercise, watch what they eat. That's just the foundation for all of us and I think we take that for granted sometimes and don't really realize that and ultimately we take our health for granted until we don't have it anymore and often it's too late when we realize that so this is really about prevention, it's really about education and diabetes is a catalyst to really, really making people more aware and hopefully getting them engaged and inspired to step up a little bit more and take their own health.
0: Yeah, that's right. A lot of the things that cause diabetes also lead to increased risk of heart disease, cancers, like you said, hypertension, different conditions like that, that can also have detrimental effects, obviously, in our life. If somebody's listening from this and they have a company, big or small, and they're thinking this could be something that'd be really interesting to roll out, maybe you could tell them how they get involved and also, most importantly, probably, where do the proceeds go from participating in an event like this?
1: Yeah, sure. We've got uh, over 60 companies participating currently this year. Uh, There's various ranges of sponsorship. There's no fixed fee, but pretty much every company makes a donation. All, All proceeds are donated to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, JDRF Canada, which is a great organization that is supporting not only research for diabetes, but research that benefits so many other chronic diseases that are happening right now. And if an organization thought about getting involved, they can get involved with diabetes for a day. And we've got all kinds of materials that we share. We, we organize workouts with the gym. We've partnered with the YMCA this year. Uh, so YMCA has graciously provided memberships for everybody. In fact, we're, we're doing a group workout tonight with Eddie Shear and NTV. So we've got a great group, a great community of people that are getting involved. And if people want to learn more, they can certainly go on Facebook and look up Diabetes for a Day and get some information there and reach out to us uh, through that.
0: Oh, that's great. That's fantastic to hear that right from you you're somebody who has a very personal connection to it, but has taken that to motivate change within their community. I really appreciate you joining us again, Kevin. Thanks for coming on tonight.
1: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the time and helping us spread the news and we're taking one step forward, one step closer to getting this province healthier.
0: This month is Diabetes Awareness Month, and we're learning all about a local initiative called Diabetes for a Day that's looking to tackle this growing problem in our province. We'll be right back after the break.
1: Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the wellness and healthy lifestyle show on your VOCM. Welcome
0: back. This month is Diabetes Awareness Month, and we're learning all about the local initiative called Diabetes for a Day, which is hoping to tackle this growing problem here in the province. Let's get back to our show.
2: Hi, June. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. No, no problem at all. You are involved with diabetes for a day, and you're also a medical professional. You are a nurse, and one of the things that we want to learn about today, of course, is what is diabetes? How does it manifest within our body, and what does it mean if we're pre-diabetic or diabetic? So Yeah, let's get into me- it. Maybe we can start off with the the most basic question is, people have heard of type one
2: diabetes, they've heard of type two diabetes. You know, Tell me a little bit about what they are, how they differ. Sure, so type one diabetes is what's also commonly referred to as insulin dependent diabetes. And that is when your pancreas, which is what's responsible for producing insulin, it stops working. And so type one diabetes or insulin dependent diabetes is when your body actually doesn't produce The insulin and so the remedy for that is of course the daily injections or an infusion pump of insulin so that you're getting it from an external source. Type 2 diabetes by comparison is more of you do have insulin in your body but what has happened over time it's also commonly referred to as non-insulin dependent diabetes which is a bit of a misnomer because unfortunately some folks do end up needing that supplemental insulin But what it means is, or what's led you to that point, is even though your body is producing insulin in response to increasing blood sugar levels, your body gets accustomed to that high level of insulin going around, and it becomes too used to it. And so even though the insulin is there, your body doesn't know how to use it anymore. And so that's why it's a little bit more complicated. It's a little bit more challenging to manage. And unfortunately, it is the more common. Mm. And that's right.
0: About 90% of cases in this province in particular are type 2 diabetes. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the condition. Some conditions can be really genetic in component. What are some of the things that people probably don't understand about diabetes that you see coming in and out of your clinic?
2: Yeah. And so that type 1, that insulin-dependent diabetic, that tends to be diagnosed earlier in life. We are starting to see some later stage folks, but it's not going to get much beyond your early 20s if it's a type 1 insulin-dependent diabetes. The type 2 is the one that we're seeing the big surge in and less of a genetic component. It certainly does still play a factor, but that one is largely lifestyle, diet, and other factors. So that's the one that we can do a lot of work in terms of preventing, better education, and better management.
0: Yeah, that's right. So if somebody goes through their medical professional, they get a diagnosis of having diabetes or pre-diabetes, which is a huge proportion of people that are facing this condition. What are some of the successful tools that can be implemented with them to help mitigate their risk and even potentially bring them out of that range of being diabetic to being back to normal health?
2: 100%. I love that you talked about the tools so for example there is some emerging technology and programming related to the education piece it really is a true example of knowledge being power the more you understand the disease itself the more you're able to help control it yourself so what I've seen most successfully recently is behavioral modification type programming where you understand your own body how it's going to react to increased stress what does that mean for your blood sugar level how are you going to respond to increase in activity which we all want to encourage because that one that's probably your biggest advocate right there one of the biggest misconceptions on diabetes and especially type 2 diabetes is oh i can't have sugar that's not the case if you're a very physically active individual and you're going to chew through a lot of that blood sugar quickly then yeah, you can have a treat. You 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 know, oral and intake of glucose is not the enemy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's where people just aren't trained about this. We don't learn much about two of the things that are really important. I would say this about finances and about our health. And I was giving this exact spiel to our students today in the undergraduate program for physiology because people have to learn this, and people go to school to learn this, and yet you're faced with this condition and you're not really. Armed with the information you need. Let's just quickly go through how do people get diagnosed? Like, there's different ways to test people for diabetes. So, somebody's listening and they think they might be diabetic. How do they get tested?
2: Well, there's a couple of different avenues. There's a simple point of care finger stick glucose. And depending on when you do it and when you most recently ate or when you most recently exercised, that's going to impact what that value becomes. So, when it comes to that screening piece a lot of times you'll have to do what they call a fasting blood test and so from midnight the night before to the time when you have your appointment for your blood collection you don't do anything nothing passes your lips except for water (laughs) Mm. and that that's going to give you a much more accurate fasting blood glucose level and the earlier in the morning factors such as exercise and and, hopefully your stress level isn't so bad in the morning those other components aren't gonna necessarily impact the reading, so it is a more true picture of what, a, what your blood sugar is at a resting state, if you will. And if that is elevated, that's when you get into some more in-depth testing. There's, there's a hemoglobin A1C test, for example, and that's a, that's a three-month window that'll tell you, over the last three months, how have you been doing on average? And that one is a really good diagnostic there.
0: Yeah, that's the one I always like to teach people about is that this gives you an idea of what what is your blood cells been bathed in? How much sugar have they been bathed in over the last three months while they've been floating around your bloodstream?
2: And yeah. you talk about the monitoring and the education and the knowledge. If you have a continuous glucose monitor, I'm, it's very, very common with type 1 diabetics because you need to have minute-to-minute knowledge of your insulin-to-sugar ratio sort of thing. But when it comes to these pre-diabetics and, and the type 2 diabetics, Having a knowledge of how you respond throughout the day and what that means for your blood glucose level can have a tremendous impact. Plus, the type 2 diabetics, oh, I don't take insulin necessarily, they tend to be less compliant is the word (laughs) with even just testing their blood sugar. So they they don't have that moment-to-moment knowledge and continuous glucose monitoring in that population is going to make tremendous difference.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think that, you know, for people that are listening here, just so you understand. Your brain needs glucose in order to function. So your body's always trying to maintain the amount of glucose we have in our body. But if we have too much glucose in our body, that can have detrimental effects. So our body's always trying to keep this fine line. And sometimes when we aren't doing things as healthfully as we should, that can get out of whack. And that's really what diabetes is doing. But one of the ways that you can test if you don't have time to go to a clinic in your spare time is employers sometimes have people come on site to be able to do regular health checks. Have you guys ever done stuff like that?
2: Oh, absolutely. That's uh, that's one of our favorite things to do because we love to get ahead of a problem. We love to help people uncover an issue they didn't know about. Even just having your blood pressure checked routinely, that thing can go way up. And I speak from experience on this one, your blood pressure can get very elevated and you have no idea unless somebody actually measures your blood pressure. Same thing with your blood glucose. If it gets super high, yeah, you're going to have some symptoms there for sure. But even just capturing that, you know, I referenced that point of care, when you ask, when did you eat last? Did you exercise today? If it's a bit elevated, you can start having that conversation and peeling back the reasons why it could be elevated. And so we've been participating in a lot of employer wellness clinics. And part of that has been doing a a finger stick glucose, not as a diagnostic tool, but as another piece of information to arm you for your, your next conversation with your primary care provider.
0: And that's right. And that's when your team was there at the diabetes for a day, launched the other day, doing these finger prick tests to be able to see our glucose level. Most people were instructed not to eat beforehand. So that was a reasonably accurate prediction of what their blood glucose level is. Let's just get a little bit philosophical here for a second. And that is that we are facing a lot of challenges in our healthcare system here in the province. If we are able to tackle something like diabetes, which is obviously extremely prevalent, if 35% of the population is either pre-diabetic or diabetic, what does that actually do for our healthcare system if we're able to make an impact on something that requires us to participate?
2: Yeah. Especially the type two non-insulin dependent diabetes. That that is really going to be the next pandemic if you if you want to get real philosophical. You think about the impact of uncontrolled diabetes in an individual. Some of those consequences become high blood pressure, coronary artery disease. You start seeing folks indicating that they're at risk for stroke. You know, some of the things that they really highlight as what are very costly and resource consuming to the healthcare system, a lot of it can be peeled back to diabetes. And when you also consider that a lot of the same conditions that put you at risk for the non insulin dependent diabetes the lack of exercise, the not so great diets, those are also the ones that are linked to cancers. And so when you think about, if we can really double down on diabetes and diabetes prevention, especially the non-insulin dependent, we are by consequence addressing a lot of the reasons that folks are having the cancers and the strokes and the heart attacks, even if it's not a direct correlation from the diabetes, it is those same lifestyle predicaments that put you more at risk for the cancers and such.
0: Yeah, I always say that our genetics are kind of like a chain link, and we pull on that chain if there's stress, right? And everybody's links are different. Some people have a weak link when it comes to cancer, some with heart disease, some with mental health and depression, some people with addictions. These are all the areas that are going to snap most easily when there's a lot of stress in that chain. And things like diet and exercise are things that are going to take the stress off that chain. And so, yes. Yeah, that's one of the things I hope people gain out of this today. You don't have to be pre-diabetic or diabetic to change your lifestyle, your nutrition, your food. It's just about saying that, look, if you don't, that there's a, a pretty good likelihood that some of these conditions can manifest. Anything you want to leave our folks with from the medical lens?
2: Well, I love that you even brought up mental health. You think about good food and having a clear mind, and you think about even if it's a five minute walk once a week, anything, any kind of movement. Uh, that actually has some significant impact on your mental health. To say nothing of the the diabetes and the cardiovascular and the, and the cancers, just that movement, I think that that is really the key to getting ahead of a lot of these conditions. And if you think that that's overwhelming, if you think, oh, I can't commit to a program, that's when you need to start reaching out to folks and get a little bit creative. It really doesn't have to be as overwhelming as a lot of the industry has made it out to be.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, I really appreciate you taking your expert lens on this, being able to give us some real practical information that people can listen to and hopefully apply in their day-to-day life. Thanks for coming
2: on today, June. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: This month is Diabetes Awareness Month, and we're learning all about a local initiative called Diabetes for a Day that's looking to tackle this growing problem in our province. We'll be right back after the break.
1: Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM.
0: Welcome back. This month is Diabetes Awareness Month, and we're learning all about the local initiative called Diabetes for a Day, which is hoping to tackle this growing problem here in the province. Let's get back to our show. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the show.
3: Thanks, Mike. I'm delighted to be here.
0: I'm really glad you could join me. We've known each other for an awful long time through the world of corporate and business world, but you've also become very involved on the board of Diabetes for a Day. I'm sure you have lots of things that can keep you busy. Why did you feel so strongly about joining something like Diabetes for a Day?
3: Well, to be honest with you, it wasn't something I had a lot of awareness with. And Kevin and I were having coffee last summer, and he happened to mention in passing diabetes for a day. And so as soon as he said it, I asked him about it. I said, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about that? That's really interesting. More as the point of curiosity, to be honest. And when he told me about the story and the background, immediately my reaction was, yes, how can I help with this? This is so important and so awesome. I wanna help really. And it all went from there.
0: Yeah, I would call you a people person, not just because of your personality, but because of actually what you do. You are involved in human resources and understanding the challenges individuals face personally. Why is integrating behaviors like this so important in the workplace?
3: No, it's a good question. And I think when it comes to health, When it comes to developing your career or being a leader, there's often a lot of pressure or culture, if you will, on people to be a certain way or do a certain thing. So take health, for instance. Uh, I know a lot of people feel a lot of pressure to be healthy and to do the things. You have to go to the gym and spend hours working out. And there's a perception, I think, that can be unrealistic or unaccessible to people, particularly when it comes to health and certainly lots of other areas of people's life. And career. So, one of the things that really stuck out when Kevin started to tell me about diabetes for a day, and the more I learned about it, was that it isn't inaccessible, it's not impossible. It's very small individual choices and individual changes that one thing at a time really can make a big difference to yourself and to your family, and to your team and work. And I like that idea of the collective impact of lots of different things. It might be something you do every day, it might be a change in your behavior every week, whatever that looks like for you, that takes some of that pressure off people. And I find the accessibility of that and the ease of that really takes a lot of the complications out of it. And I find that's a wonderful thing and a good model.
0: Yeah, I think that the world of wellness and fitness really got off track about 20 years ago when it became purely about a cosmetic pursuit or a performance pursuit, but we forgot that probably the most powerful modality or the two most powerful modalities when it comes to preventing illness are what we eat and what we do for physical activity. And this is really what this program promotes, and I think it's interesting because The majority of people that participate in this don't have diabetes, but the behaviors that they're participating in are the things that mitigate the risk of diabetes. How important is a culture of health within a workplace?
3: Well, I think very important and probably not talked about enough for many companies and many teams. But if you break it down, if somebody is healthy, whether that's their mental health or their physical health, they're going to be more productive at work. And that translates to your company culture, that translates to productivity, return on investment, and everybody wants that. And so I think, you know, as an individual, sure, you can show up to work and be healthier and happier. That shows up with your team, with the clients you work with. And then, as a culture, as a group too, if you are making good decisions, doing things that make you feel good, then that's going to show up in a positive way in your day to day interactions with your team as well. And I think if you could say to any business leader, any manager, any owner, you know, we have easy, opportunities for you to translate to your team. That's going to make your team happier. It's going to make you stickier with your group. They're going to want to come to work. They're going to be happier when they get there. They're not going to go home tired and stiff, you know, and I, I don't mean to make this seem like the solution to all problems, but you know, a walk at lunchtime, drinking a little bit more water and making that part of your culture and part of the day-to-day activities for some teams and some organizations. It's really that simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I was obviously involved in corporate wellness for a long, long time. And what people don't realize is they talk about productivity. People think it's purely from the employer or the boss's perspective, the the board of directors, but it's not because being more productive as a human being means you get her to work quicker. You don't have work to do after hours. You can be happier while you're at work and and have more energy for things. So it's very much on the worker side of things where I see the true real benefit because people's quality of life is better.
3: It's a good point because I think especially in the past few years, employee in particular, their preferences have really changed, right? So no one is going to seek an environment or any type of culture that drains them or that they don't find energizing. And there's lots of different ways to do that. So you make such a good point about that productivity because it can come down in a lot of ways, perception-wise, to metrics and dollars and cents. But there's so much more that goes into that that produces different outputs that I think everyone can feel glad about.
0: Yeah, that's true. And you just said dollars and cents. I think this is important. So when organizations are listening to this and they want to get involved in this, this is a charitable organization right here. Maybe you can explain where the donations that people give to participate go.
3: Well, first of all, they go to JDRF, which is really important because we want to make a very clear point about that, that while there are a lot of corporate people involved in this, the name of the game is to raise money and funds and awareness for juvenile diabetes. That's what this is all about. So that's the first and foremost. So not only does the money go to a great cause, but they get the benefit of this company culture and individual health.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important. I guess the last question would be that you know when it comes to individuals, they could be leading a small group, they could be leading a big group, they could be leading their family, they could be leading a community group that they're a part of. How important is it for people to speak up and sort of set the tone for taking these healthy initiatives and prioritizing them in their lives?
3: I think very important. Um, and so I think you're right that people can lead in absolutely everything that they do, no matter what that looks like. But in particular, people go- are going to go to work. They have to go to work for the most part every day. And so I think weaving these small behaviors and these choices into your day as an individual and into a team really makes a big difference. And it's important as a person. It's important as a leader for my team. I want them to be happy and productive when they come to work. And that has a bigger impact. Those people are going to go home and be happy with their families. They're going to make and build better communities, better organizations. And that's good for every single person who lives here.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm really glad you're involved in the initiative. It's fantastic to hear from you. And thanks for all of your support and your time, of course.
3: Gosh, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: This month is Diabetes Awareness Month, and we're learning all about a local initiative called Diabetes for a Day that's looking to tackle this growing problem in our province. We'll be right back after the break.
1: Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com.
0: Welcome back. This month is Diabetes Awareness Month, and we're learning all about the local initiative called Diabetes for a Day, which is hoping to tackle this growing problem here in the province. Let's get back to our show. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great chatting with you. We've known each other for a long time, and we actually used to work out together. I did personal training with you for a long time. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Diabetes for a Day and a little bit about yourself.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess for as far as diabetes for a day goes, this is the second time that I've participated in this. I was first approached about it, oh, goodness, uh, September. Yeah. September 2019. So just over four years ago. And that's how I met Kevin, Kevin Peters. And as you mentioned, you and I first met must be 15 years ago. At least. Hopefully <laughs> that. Yeah. I know and you were my personal trainer at a gym that you used to own and that was at a time when i really wanted to get you know take some steps to get more active and taking control of my health Uh, i would have been in my upper mid uh, 30s at the time and when i met kevin that would have been sort of be fast forward 10 or 11 years after i started taking a more active approach to my health you know you have peaks and troughs when you're going through your health journey and it was at a time when I probably lost the plot a little bit, where I had been pretty focused on resistance training, and really wasn't addressing cardio and that kind of stuff. Anyway, it was almost like I needed something different, and he got introduced to me through a mutual colleague. I was trying to get this diabetes for day thing uh, off the ground, talking to different uh, folks involved in business and the community, whatnot around town, and just threw this idea at me, you know about about diabetes for a day and, and the prevalence of diabetes in the province, trying to raise awareness, told me this wonderful story, inspiring story about about his daughter. And uh, you know, I said to him at the time, I said, Well, it's diabetes for I could do anything for a day. And he said, No, no, it's for three months. And I, I I that was sort of the kick in the butt that I needed. And uh yeah, it sort of took off from there. And and uh, uh, through that whole program, I don't think I realized how prevalent diabetes was in the in the in the province at the time. Certainly, know far more about it now through folks like yourself and Kevin. But I suppose it gave me a little bit of an insight into where I was, and and, and I, I guess the biggest thing that I took out of that at the time was the simple things. I kind of lost track of the simple things that you can build into your daily schedule when you're you know busy working professionals, and and you, you can kind of lose track of. Of uh, the little things that you can do that actually can
0: keep you on track. And they're not a huge sacrifices, just a little bit of time. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you tonight, is because I know there's lots of people involved, over 60 different organizations and individuals participating in diabetes for a day. But I know you are a much more educated wellness, I wouldn't say consumer, but somebody who's well aware of wellness. And so when I saw the changes that occurred with you, I thought it was really poignant because the recommendations that you give people the diabetes for a day group are things that are specific to diabetics, but they're also universally healthy for people. Did you find that taking this stress off of the approach towards fitness and looking more at the basic things and those day-to-day activities was more sustainable?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I travel a lot, and I tend to really rely on personal trainers for going to the gym and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, every morning... Go for a walk. I mean, that was probably the, the the single biggest thing that came out of the first Diabetes for a Day program and this sort of, you know, throw a Fitbit on your wrist. And it, it brings an accountability to the table that that I never could have imagined. And uh, just set little little goals for yourself, whether you want to get 5,000 steps in or 10,000 steps in. And, and I just started to build that in my routines. Uh, back in September of 19, so we're talking about Four, five, six months just prior to COVID, we started see these little challenges with everyone. Just encouraging everyone: get out for a walk, get your ten thousand steps in. And I'm I'm a pretty competitive guy, so I took that pretty seriously. And when COVID hit, it, it just, I just kept going and found myself really I, I, like I, my day wasn't complete unless I got my walk in. I mean i I got back from I was out of out of town the last couple of days, and I got in late, late last night. I normally do my morning walk. When I got home after work this evening, I just said to my wife, "I just got to go out and you know shake the rust off a little bit, just get the steps in." Yeah. And, and so you know that that came from that that sort of habit came from diabetes for a day, and it sounds so silly. Like who doesn't enjoy going for a stroll? Mm-hmm. Uh, But you just go for it and you pick up the pace a little bit. And now it's it really is part of my. It's a seven day thing, and and it. You know, it's it's probably the best thing you can do for yourself. Just go for a walk, and it's not just physical. For me, it's it's I uh, when I go out for my morning walk, every morning now sixty to ninety minutes. That is me getting ready for my day. It, what it does for me for my mental health is probably well beyond what it does for me for my physical health.
0: Mm, I love that, and you know, the other thing you just said that really sticks out to me is that people love data. I wear my watch with all my tech to be able to measure how much water I'm drinking, how many steps I'm taking, how am I standing up enough during the day. And I came from a background where we used to stick little masks on people and make them do treadmill tests to see performance. And I find those metrics, those day-to-day basic metrics, am I living a healthy lifestyle every day, are the things that are the most powerful for me. And you're right, they do get you up and doing it. You know, what What advice would you have for people? Given that you've experienced a broad spectrum of different things in wellness that they should implement in their day to day if they want to make this significant difference. Just start
4: small, little steps, right? It it adds up over time and you can you can see the results. It doesn't it doesn't take long, but don't sort of go come up with this huge goal that you want to drop fifty pounds. If you want to drop some weight, come up with a goal that I want to drop, you know, five or ten pounds over the course of Three months, and and you mentioned the data. The thing that I found that uh, uh, it, it's it's a little bit of discipline, but once you start, there's, there's really nothing to it. Is actually uh, using what's on the Fitbit or your smartwatch for entering your diet. And it it really does keep you accountable because these things are reasonably accurate to look at how many calories you burn that day and what you've consumed. And I I remember when I first got into this, someone had explained to me, this is going back again to the the first time we did diabetes for a day, that a a pound is 3,500 calories. Mm. And you don't want to shed more than one to two pounds a week. And that if you have a caloric deficit of 500 to 1,000 calories per day, you will just by math lose one to two pounds a week. And it's it's not that hard to do. It, it it is it really is just tracking how much you're taking in and making sure that you're active every day.
0: But I think you just, you hit the nail on the head. I've actually never heard anybody explain it that way. It's just so eloquent in the way that it's about knowing that what you're doing is leading to that end goal. And that's what I think people are missing. They're hoping that what they're doing will lead to that end goal, but knowing is the difference, and that's health literacy, and I think that's really what's lacking in the province. Does that make you feel empowered when you do understand what's going on with your health? You take control of your health, right? Yeah.
4: and I mean I'm getting older i'm I'm, I'm 52 so you, you know when you're educated from if I go back to the time that I started working out with you every uh, training session was you know school was in a session and, and you were passing on some of your knowledge which in practical terms that I could just sort of take back and and, and you know noodle over in my head as to okay what does that mean for, mean for me on a day-to-day basis and then there's so many tools out there now you meant we meant talked about the Fitbit just having those just practical four or five things that you can do. Uh, Nobody needs to be an expert in these things. It's just being very conscious of, okay, I'm gonna make a choice now. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get my exercise in today, but tonight I'm gonna go out and have a couple of beer with my buddies, right? Yeah. And it's empowering, and as you get older, you start to take take these things a little bit more seriously, and and it's, uh, yeah, it's
0: been quite inspiring for me. Okay, one thing that really is interesting about the Diabetes for a Day program that's kind of like a a really funny running joke, but also like a real call to action and accountability is this poker chip you guys all carry on yourselves. Yeah. Tell me about that.
4: Yeah, well, uh, he, Kevin started that in the first go around four years ago and he's doing it again now. The idea is he gives all the participants a poker chip, and it, it, it's intended to be something as a constant reminder to be active, to watch what you're eating and to be accountable to yourself and you just carry it around the 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 deal that everyone has with each other is that uh, we all know each other, if you see each other around town, and you don't have that poker chip on you, and one of the folks you know calls you on it, and you've got to drop and give them ten burpees. And this thing works. I I've been in airports, uh, I've been outside the country, and run into people, and not had that poker chip on me. And you know, you got to, a, deal's a deal is a deal. So he's doing it again, and and I was just out of town for a couple of days and had a little panic there in my hotel room a couple of nights ago in Quebec City when I realized I did not have that chip with me. And so I was I was uh, fearful of running into someone from the program, because it has happened in the past that I would run into someone. Thank God I didn't. I managed to get back home late last night and uh, got my boy back. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's amazing. No, that's great, I, and I love that. Accountability, knowledge, you know, making small changes, you know, you've got a busy career, you got a busy life, but it's nice to hear that you make those changes. And that's really what it's all about. And that's why I'm so glad you could join me tonight. It's nice for individuals to hear that it is those small things. It doesn't have to be this monumental task in order to change your health. It just takes a bit of time and a bit of knowledge. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me tonight.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you
0: to our guests for joining me today. Your dedication and raising awareness and educating around diabetes is important for our community, and I hope that everyone listening learns something new about this condition. Diabetes impacts 35% of us here in the province. So if you want to learn more about diabetes for a day, you can join the conversation and find them on Facebook. Remember, often with conditions like type two diabetes, our health is in our own hands. We just have to learn how to make those everyday choices that lead to a healthier life. It's not just about doing things for a day, it's about changing our lifestyle and making consistently better choices especially when it comes to moving more and mindful eating. And don't stop with just yourself. Make a change with your family, your friend group, or your workplace. Advocate for wellness programs, encourage health screenings, and encourage your coworkers to join you on this journey. What I love most about this initiative is that all the proceeds go to support the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation that helps fuel the fight against type 1 diabetes and lights a path to a future where this disease can be conquered. Well, that's our show this week. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall, reminding you the choices you make today shape your health tomorrow. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCM.